Hello, and welcome to The Rebind, a podcast about putting all the pages of the Bible back together. On today's first of the month interview, we'll listen to the stories of Mike, Lisa, and Jake Bliss in Omaha, Nebraska, and how immersing themselves in the Bible has transformed their lives. It'll not only inspire you to pick up a Bible, but pass on some practical tips for engaging it. Exciting firsts happening as we've been getting the ball rolling on the rebind. And we've got another one today, the first first of the month interview. The first Monday of every month we'll be doing an interview with someone, whether to glean from the insights of an expert, hear some inspiring stories from leading figures in the church, or just to keep you from getting sick of me. Remember, our goal on the rebind is to prepare us for all of life today with all the Bible. We want to dig deeper than just the handful of our favorite verses to really immerse ourselves in all scripture, because it's all needed. If we're only equipped with 1% of the tools needed for surgery, we're only going to be 1% successful in the operation. And in that case, we want to say, oh man, surgery is just a lost cause. We should give up on the practice altogether we'd say we haven't really given it a chance. In the same way, we can't live the Christian life on 1%. God has given us his entire word, and that includes the weird and confusing stuff in Leviticus and Zephaniah and Revelation and Song of Songs. So what we're after here on The Rebind is helping you with that engagement, helping to make those neglected parts of the Bible operative in your life, showing how they can make a difference in how you live and think and work. And these first of the month interviews have that same purpose. They're more than just a way to mix up some of the content. They're there to help with that, with with what we're after in every episode. If we're diving into the book of Ezekiel, what better way to get familiar with that part of the Bible than by listening to the advice of a PhD scholar on the biblical prophets, or by hearing the stories of people who have lived through the same kinds of things that Ezekiel did. But I wanted to do something just a little different for today. Because I know many of you are listening and thinking, let's be real, man. It's great that you've been in theology school for six years, but I've been in the office making a living. I I like listening to you unpack weird parts of the Bible, but there's no chance that I'll become so familiar with every book of the Bible that it's all making a difference in my life. Ain't nobody got time for that. And my accounting degree isn't going to help me learn Hebrew, so yeah, let's just be realistic here. Well, you don't have to learn Hebrew and go to Bible school to let all the Bible prepare you for all of life. Today, we're going to listen to the Bliss family in Omaha, Nebraska, just a regular family with regular jobs, talking about what it's looked like for them to learn more about the Bible and the difference that that's made for them. The Bliss family has made a huge difference in my life growing up and still today, so I wanted to take a break from the strange visions of Ezekiel and technical interpretation stuff 
to just encourage you with a real-life example of what we're after. So check it out. Awesome. Well, Blissus, thank you so much for joining us on The Rebind, um, because I know you guys and you played such a big part in my own story. I'm stoked to share a bit of your story with our listeners. So why don't we just start out with each of you telling everyone who you are and what you do. Hey, Andrew, uh, this is Mike Bliss, and uh, I'm a uh, medical device salesman in Omaha, Nebraska, and I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. And I'm his wife, Lisa, and I have been a real estate agent now for two years since my youngest son went off to college. Before that, I was a stay-at-home mom. Sweet. I'm Jake Bliss. I am the oldest son, and I'm finishing up law school at Pepperdine right now, but I'm actually not at Pepperdine because of the coronavirus. So I'm online and finishing up my last semester here in Nebraska. Right. Awesome. So we've got a law student, a medical salesman, and a real estate agent. And we're on a podcast about studying more about the Bible. So why don't you guys just tell us a little bit more about your family's story? How did you guys become Christians? And, and what started your passion for learning about the Bible? Well, I would say, uh, Andrew, I'm originally from Chicago. And uh, I moved. I love sports, and I moved to Nebraska and in the 90s, uh, early 90s, I, I heard a coach on the radio uh, just preaching the Word of God, and I started paying attention to him, and he, he piqued my interest, and uh, it was Coach Ron Brown, and we there was a, uh, a Husker player, uh, for any Husker fans out there, that was tragically killed, uh, Brooke Berenger, in April of 96 in a plane crash, and uh, Coach Brown was uh, speaking at Brooke's funeral. At that time, the Huskers were... Uh, the national champions of the nineties, they won three championships in the nineties. And so everybody, everything that they did, anything that happened around the team was huge news. And so I remember I was working one day and uh, the funeral was, was on the radio. And I remember pulling over and just uh, uh, the Lord used uh, coach Brown just to uh, uh, get a hold of me and, and really just kind of stop and just say, um, you know, grab my attention and fast forward 12 years later, uh, my I, my mother-in-law had given me a book um, called Point Man, which for Father's Day in the summer of '98, and uh, uh, Steve Ferrar, the author, was actually coming to a church in Omaha, and at that same time, we were building a uh, a place we call the Sports Barn. We were building a uh, an addition so that I could have. Uh, at that time, I was thinking I would have uh, my customers over to watch Husker games and 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 just do really fun things in in this barn, and. Uh, we came home from a uh, ski trip on January 2nd, 2008, and I had seen that Steve Farrar was coming to Omaha to speak at a church, and I wrote a letter to Coach Brown. I didn't say anything to my family or anything to Lisa, my wife, and um, wrote Coach Brown a letter asking him to come uh, speak at our barn, and I, I really didn't know <laughs> what, I what I was doing, and uh, turns out uh, we had 170 men wow. and young men that day on, it was uh, March 15th, 2008. And that was the day that um, uh, Lord used Coach Brown uh, to uh, draw a lot of people uh, to Christ. And at that point, that's kind of the marking point that flipped our family upside down for the Lord. So Lisa and, and Jake, kind of what was that experience like for you guys on the other end? Were you kind of aware of what was going on behind the scenes with Mike or were you at that event as well? Well, uh I guess for me, as I look back now, 
I mean, that, that 2008 year really is a pivotal year for our family, but God was at work long before that. Um, I grew up, Mike and I both grew up um, going to church, and that was important to both of our families. But if you had asked us, I think that Mike would have said he was a Catholic, and I would have said I was a Lutheran. We wouldn't have necessarily said we were Christ-following Christians, and we weren't. We didn't really understand that, you know, what that meant at that time. Um, But we did know that it was important when we had our boys. We wanted them to be to grow up in church and know about God. And so um, I started teaching Sunday school when Jake was in kindergarten. Um, and I look back now and I, I believe that I was not even saved at that time, but I, I did feel there was something that I felt was important about it. Um, but God used that Sunday school time, I think to lay some groundwork for Mike because um, he as a Catholic didn't have much background at all in the Bible. And he didn't really know the the history, the stories in the Bible. Hmm. And so when Jake was in, I think, second grade, some uh, family moved in that had two twin boys that were really naughty. And I couldn't control them. So I asked Mike. I couldn't teach. And so Mike started coming to help keep those guys under wraps. And lo and behold, he turned out to be my best student. And so we, for four or five years there, I mean, I remember catching, do you remember that, Jake? We'd catch mm-hmm. each other's eye because Mike would raise his hand from the back and shout out and answer to a question like, oh, that's Elijah. And he'd be so excited to have learned about it. So, I mean, just pieces like that, that God was doing work behind the scenes, um, to pulling us. I, I remember Ty Schenzel, who um, is just a mentor of ours and, he he told a sermon one time about getting God gets his hook in you and um, you know, you, he pulls you in towards the boat and you kind of squiggle away and swim away and he pulls you in again a little closer and finally you're in the boat. And I just kind of see that in our life in those earlier years, there were things that God was doing, pulling us closer. Yeah. We were still on the throne of our own lives at that time, but that's kind of a cool, fun story I like to think back on because I can see God was using that to lay groundwork and prepare, prepare Mike and I. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Yeah. Andrew, I don't have a lot to add. I just, I think I was out there that day in the sports barn when Ron Brown gave that, it was a really powerful message. Um, I was serving Krispy Kreme donuts actually, which was kind of, <laughs> I ate a lot of them. And I I ate like three dozen that day, but I was sentient enough to hear the gospel. I think for the first time, the the full gospel, um, who God is, who we are, um, our fallen nature. And, you know, my sin, I think, became personal to me for the first time that day. Hmm. And uh, just the, the sacrifice of Christ made sense, you know, when your sin hits you. I think that hmm. I, I, I'd never understood that before in any real way. I mean, I probably could have said something about it. But um, then, yeah, going forward from that day, just seeing my dad's life get flipped upside down by scripture and my mom um, sort of taking a little bit of a different path, but just watching them both be changed by Christ and and the word. I think that that's very hard as a young, really young kid to not be influenced by your parents doing that, especially your dad, I think as a son. So um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting to hear that um, even before you guys kind of fully grasped on to that full message or, or before everything even clicked, you had this sense of the importance of knowing about God and, and, and knowing about the Bible and that being 
shown in the Sunday school and all the stories you guys shared. So after that turning point, after that um, kind of big meeting with Ron Brown at the sports barn, how did that, that passion and that sense of learning about the Bible grow? So Coach Brown, uh, he had a ministry called Mission Nebraska with Stan Parker, and they had a one-year Bible. And that's when I first was introduced to it. And I remember uh, coming in one day and I was, I was reading it and I, and I came in and I said, Lisa, she goes, what? And I go, there's one God and he's holy. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and God's word was just really a lot like it says in Hebrews uh, 4.12. I mean, it, was, it became alive and active to me. Yeah. And I was so excited that there was, you know, for some reason, the fact that he's holy and then there's one God. And, you know, I, going through school, I never paid attention to it. You know, you would hear Greek gods, this, you know, you know, and you never stopped to think about it. And, and it just started blowing my mind. And I, I just instantaneously, for me, the one-year Bible format, not that everybody has to do it, but for me, the format of the one-year Bible where you, you know, I'm a simple guy and, you know, you turn it to, you turn to the date and it gives you the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm and Proverbs. And then there's uh, tools that go with it, a one-year Bible companion, one-year Bible blog. Uh, it, just, it just began to take root, and I just got so excited about it. And um, from, from that moment on, I just started telling people about, about the Word. And it, and it was just a journey that I get so excited about for people that have never really dived into the Word. And then it starts, it starts taking a hold of their lives, yeah. and then you see a transformation. Yeah. It's it's just uh, it's just absolutely exciting, um, exciting well, exciting part. You too was the holiness part was the reading the Old Testament. Yeah, the Old Testament. Yeah, that's yeah. you know a lot of times today we just skip to the New Testament. Oh, we don't want to read about all that hmm. scary hmm. God in the Old Testament, you know. Um, but that really rocked Mike and me too. But you know, hmm. it was just that's kind of a neat thing. Like, yeah, that's where the reading through the entire Bible. Yeah. Important. Right. Yeah. There's so much in the word that maybe gets neglected that uh, it's so exciting to watch the Israelites come out of Egypt and, and just the grumbling. But, you know, and then just realize that we are the Israelites. We, the miserableites. The miserableites. That's us. I mean, what, you know, complaining mm. and and anything that goes wrong. And then and then it's just mm. back and forth to watch that. It, it's just absolutely unbelievable. And then to realize that it could have taken um, 11 days, but it took 40 years to get to the promised land. And it's just, there's just so many deep, uh, rich lessons in God's word. And it always uh, kind of just breaks my heart a little bit when somebody says, well, I'll, I'll just read the New Testament. And they and they don't, they don't jump into the Old Testament. And it's just like, well, did, you know, there's, there's over 300 prophecies predicting Christ's coming and, and you're missing all that. And uh, the, the Bible in its totality is, is the, is the greatest, uh, greatest book ever written. And it's, it's alive and active and it'll change your, it'll change your life. If you, if you give it a chance and you dive in and, uh, start looking at it. Yeah. So Jake and I, and our friends, we, we joked that Mike was a passionate evangelist for the one year Bible. And even as he <laughs> volunteered in the, the youth ministry and, um, just serving with, with students, uh, you can see that passion just trickled down. He was handed out these these books, these arrangements of the Bible that had the the one year Bible is like it's a it's a reading plan that's printed out all for you. So you've got certain chunks of the Bible every day that you read, and by the end of the year, you've read through the entire thing. 
And so he would be handing out these versions of the one year Bible to everybody. And I got a hold of one and I started reading through it. And um, it's just gotten into the hands of countless people and has kind of spread from Ron Brown to Mike and this passion of, you know, having that plan of, of reading through the Bible. So, Mike, why do you think that uh, reading through all of it has made a difference? Like, like what difference has seeing every aspect of it made in your life? You talked about the holiness aspect of it. Um, do you still follow that plan today? Yes, I do. You know, one time I had somebody said, hey, I did the, I did the one year, you know, and I said, OK, now you'll do it again. You know, I just believe that uh, if we are a born again believer and, and we understand what it means, what Jesus did for us, and he's given us this unbelievable book, this, this, the playbook of life. How can we not read it in its totality? Every word, you know, when you look at when I look at Isaiah fifty five eleven, God's telling us that His word's going to go out; it's not going to return to Him empty. And there's just, you know, there's just so many different lessons in every single part of it that, you know, it's just the 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 the, the, the shame would be that if we're if we're not if we're just leaving some of that. If you picture going into a buffet um, and just having a great meal. Uh, you know, and then just eating part of it to, to read it in its totality, you get these unbelievable blessings. It's, it's alive and active and, and, and you, you know, where you don't expect it. And there's nothing like that. That's a priceless gift that the Lord has given us. And there's just, uh, there's just lessons everywhere. And yeah. you know, right now with the coronavirus, you know, it's, you know, we're, there's just so much that you can take out of, uh, uh, you know, what we're reading again in the one year Bible, we're in uh, Deuteronomy and they're coming into the promised land. Israelites, but it's it's just the fact that you know we would sit there and go, well, if I was at the Red Sea, I you know I wouldn't have grumbled or this or that, and it's like you, you got to be kidding me. We we are the Israelites, and yes, we would be grumbling. And there's just constant lessons, Andrew, to uh, uh, to take in, in nuggets, spiritual nuggets, just uh, to take every single day. So one of the things about the one year that I like is you read, you start in Genesis and Matthew, um, and you read sort of the old and new Testament kind of overlaid on each other. And it's really, to me, it's really easy to see the sort of just, it's really neat to see God's like progressive revelation of his, I guess, salvation program. And, and the old Testament has, you know, a lot of lessons and, and yeah, God's holiness and his sovereignty is, is so clear throughout the old Testament. Um, there's just so many examples of that, but I think it's especially cool when you have a reading plan that, you know, the one year sort of, you don't, it's not chronological or it's not just straight through. It's uh I mean, I, I appreciate how it breaks it up just to, it kind of shows you, um, yeah, I mean, it, not just the prophecies in the Old Testament, but the typology and um, all the different pictures and, and shadows of Jesus that, that come up. And so that's one of the things I've enjoyed going through it kind of year after year and I appreciate my dad for recommending it. As a mom, what I've enjoyed is that we're all reading yeah. and we still are. I remember Mike running down and saying, did you know a donkey talked, you know, and we were all reading and we're like, yeah, that's nuts. So, you know, it's just kind of, kind of neat. And the boys are still all reading it and I am too. And so it's just, I don't know. It's just neat to know that we're all reading the same, you know, scriptures. Yeah. There's a power to the same, same time, and same Psalm every day, that sort of thing. Yeah. So you guys are all kind of coordinated in the same plan, right? So when you read one passage, um, your whole family is reading the same thing that day. Does that kind of help having other people in your family to go through with that? We don't always talk about it, 
and share with each mm-hmm. other, but you know, from time to time. Yeah. Well, especially since we don't live in the same. And country. one of the first things I heard from Coach Brown was that uh, Tony Dungy, when he was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, they were doing their team was doing. Um, I don't know if everybody on the team was doing it, but Tony, um, w- he was leading his 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 players in reading the one year Bible, and so they would sit at the training table and say, "Hey, did you see what was in Isaiah today? Wasn't that cool, man?" Yeah. And that, I remember hearing that, and that that stuck with me. And you know, what father wouldn't want? that for his kids, you know, especially if they're younger in the faith uh, or haven't read through the word, you know, who, who wouldn't want that for their family? If you understand who, what Jesus has done for us and what he's given us in his word. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. When our family jumped in, Zach was pretty young yet and reading the whole old Testament, new Testament, Psalm and a proverb was a lot for him, but mm. so we just had him kind of jump in on the new Testament mm. and tried to read with him a little bit. So that kind of got him going. Yeah. So, Mike, I know even as I was saying earlier, like as this has been something that's impacted your own life, you've also put it in the hands of so many other people and you've kind of walked with them through it. Do you have any examples or stories of of other people going through the one year Bible and just what they've told you of the difference it's made for them? Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, Thomas Dillebeck, affectionately known as Boz, he, um, he, he's just this awesome guy. He's a businessman in the community of Omaha. And, you know, last fall, I just said, Baj, starting January 1, you're going to have to start reading the word on this, on, on the one-year Bible. You're going to have to start it, it, because, because if we're listening to Coach Brown and he starts talking, you know, about uh, Isaiah or he starts talking about uh, uh, Luke or whoever, whatever, whatever he's teaching, you know, I want you to understand it and grasp it. So in, in order to do that, you got to read it in its totality. And so... Andrew, he's really, really been blessed already, and um, just he, he just thanked us this past Saturday. He, w- he was talking to Coach Brown and I, and he just said, you know, uh, I really appreciate you challenging me to, to do that. And it's not that it's not that I did anything. It's just it's almost like paying it forward. You know, you want somebody to go through that that experience uh, to just be just so excited to dive in, and and he's seeing that, and and that's what you want for for, for other people, and. Um, that's a really neat thing. You know, who comes to mind for me is uh, Coach Olson. He's the head basketball coach in Bennington, and he he's partnered up with Mike and I. We lead the, F, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes group at Bennington High School here. And uh, Mike challenged him, was that maybe three years ago? Five years ago? Okay, five years ago. And I think he's on his fourth time through the Bible now. And he also grew up a Catholic. He's a very disciplined guy. And he was just sharing the other day with the kids that reading through the word like that has changed his life and his view of God. And he was challenging them to get into scripture. And so going from, I would say he has the same, had the same background we did, grew up in going to church, but, um, and knew there was something good and important about it. Mm. But to now just after being in the word and, you know, it's just really neat to see what's going on with his life and his family. Yeah. Yeah. So Lisa, I remember you hosting so many events in your home while I was in high school, whether it's Bible study groups or Bible focused movies or just kind of anything you could do. Um, what was it about looking at the Bible and groups like that, that inspired you to, to use the sports barn, to use what you had and, and host events like that? The fact that it's true. <laughs> It's God's revealed word. And I think when you are saved 
and you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, I mean, there's just something in you that you just have this desire to know God better and to just help others. Um, and you just want to share that. Yeah. Have, have you gleaned anything um, from all those those events and things you did? Any advice you might have for people who want to, want to study the Bible in groups? I know often that can be a, a thing we know is a good idea, something we want to run after, but it can be um, kind of tricky knowing the format of that, the, the, the practical ways of getting there, um, any tips to pass on? Well, first of all, there's so many great resources out there. And I mean, you would be a great resource for anybody that's listening that would want to do something like that, but there's so many great videos with questions. There's, you know, countless, um, Mm -hmm. ministries. Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, the, the neat thing is the more I, I led those, those kinds of things, the, the more I learned myself because there were people in there like you that were terrifying, who had these deep questions <laughs> that I had to dive into my Bible to figure out what I thought about them. And so I grew right alongside everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And, and Jake, I, I remember from from high school on through my my entire time in in Bible school seminary, um, we've always had plenty of conversations. You've always asked plenty of um, well educated questions. You know, really into deeper study of the Bible. What this scholar said about that thing, and it just always blew my mind just how much you read, how much you knew about um, about the Bible. And so, as someone who's not in seminary, just as as a law student. How do you stay informed like that? Where do you go for resources like that? Like Lisa was saying, how do you interact with them? Like, how do, how do you know what's useful and accessible versus like, hey, there's no way I'm gonna I'm gonna get much from this. Besides calling my seminary buddy Andrew, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, no, so I think for me, I, I guess I have feel like I've had two blessings as a sort of a young believer, and one is. A dad, I guess they're both sitting here, a, d- a dad who constantly wow. encouraged me to read scripture on my own, just literally every day <laughs> being asked if I was reading I the one year Bible <laughs> or, uh, you know, what am I getting out of it? So I think that that's, it's very hard. I, I feel like the word kind of, yeah, I feel like I, I got a great foundation in the word um, and was sort of almost forced to, um, you know, my dad has a strong personality and, and it became sort of a duty to a delight at some point in there. I can't exactly say when that was, but, um, and also a mom who, yeah, she's a very intellectually curious person and is just constantly reading and taking in new material. And so that, that combo has actually, I think been really helpful for me. So, I mean, one, one aspect is I sort of just see what my mom's up to and what she's reading and learning. And I, I think my dad's contribution has been, you know, testing what I'm reading and what I'm learning against scripture and and that sort of thing. But, you know, one of the things I've noticed about today's world is there's so many resources. uh, It can be hard to sort of discern (laughs) which ones to pick up. I mean, it's almost a brave new world type situation where we're drowning in information, not that there were starved for it. It's that there's so much, we don't know how to make sense of it all. So I get, yeah, I guess there's a few things that I think I learned this from my mom. There's a few things I look for when I look at resources. One of those would be um, sort of a deep engagement with scripture and church history. Um, I like to see that in resources if I can. Um, and another one is ones that are written at, at a level that I can engage with as someone who, as you said, is not a seminary student. I don't know the biblical languages. So, you know, there is, I, I think I'm aware of my own limitations and I try to sort of, you know, 
yeah, I try to filter out ones that I know will be beyond me. Um, and one thing that I love is reading older books. C.S. Lewis has a great essay on, on the reading of old books. And he talks about how for every new book you read, you should read two old ones. And I haven't followed that ratio exactly, but I think I do. I have tried to mix in some, you know, older, important books from church history, like the Confessions by Augustine or Calvin's Institutes. And I think that that always like just gives a lot of perspective to kind of the the questions I'm asking. And, you know, a lot of those questions have been asked before and have been dealt with by really intelligent people in church history. And so, yeah, uh, that, that's been good. And then another, the only other thing I would say is, uh, I guess the birds of a feather flock together uh, phrase would, would just be, you know, looking at endorsements, trying to sort of see which pastors and theologians and teachers and scholars, I mean, a lot of the good ones and the ones who are faithful to scripture and, and that, you know, seem to recommend each other. So I think that there's a little bit of a, um, I don't know how to say it other than, I mean, it just, you can sort of tell uh, maybe who's good by uh, that sort of thing too. So those are some of the things I do. And then, yeah, like I said before, mainly just listening to my mom, <laughs> which is always a smart thing to do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I, I think it would be helpful. Could you each give an example maybe of a, a neglected part or, or passage of the Bible that's made a big impact on your life? You know, maybe it's something you've been going through the one-year Bible so many times, and and just this one part of this one passage has has really helped to um, transform your perspective, transform the, the way you live. And, um, you know, for whatever that passage is, how, how did you come across it? Was it a a friend who mentioned it to you, a sermon you heard, just, just reading through the Bible. Um, yeah. What, what's an example maybe of a, a, a passage of the Bible that's had such an impact on your life? So for me, Deuteronomy chapter six talks about, you know, one of the things, uh, uh, especially with Corona, with everything going on around that and just how much fear is, is out there for many of us. And so it's just, it's, uh, 613 talks about, um, it is the Lord, your God, you shall fear him, uh, and, and, you know, and serve him. And, 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 and it just, it's, it's, it's powerful to me because especially today, um, whether we're suffering from, whether it's losing a job, um, being laid off, uh, health concerns, what, you know, nobody wants to, to fear something, but to have an, to have an awesome fear of the Lord, I think that's just a great reminder for me. And again, it's Deuteronomy. So if somebody just picks up a Bible, you know, they're not necessarily going to go over there to Deuteronomy, but there's great. It just also reminds me that book just reminds me that there's great purpose with everything that the Lord is doing. He's got great purpose in everything that he did. And uh, it's just it's it's a book that uh, if we're not careful, we could have a tendency to maybe just gloss over it. So, yeah, uh, for me, that's uh, that's pretty powerful to me. So the first verse that came to mind for me was Zephaniah 317. Hmm. And, you know, it's the Lord, your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with singing. Hmm. And um, years ago, I was talking with a friend who was a Christian. And I don't know, I, I had a a distorted view of God. I think I grew up in sort of a works-based culture and your performance, you know, it was, I was earning love and I kind of felt God was disappointed in me at times. And even though I knew better, but in deep down in my heart, so she, she had asked me, the boys were young and she had asked, she said, 
picture do the boy do your boys draw draw you pictures and I'm like yeah they do and she said how do they feel how do you feel about it when they reach up and hand you their you know Jake you weren't the best artist necessarily so <laughs> my ears are just like squiggles on a page or whatever and I was del- I delighted in each one because I knew that they were doing that out of love and they wanted to please me and she she took me to this passage and just you know, that's how God is with your efforts to please and glorify him. You're not earning his love. He's delighting over you with singing. And that just kind of has always stuck with me as a, as a verse that's important. Wow. Yeah. Uh, for me, Andrew, it's uh, a lot of passages from Colossians come to mind. And I think that's because um, I guess I had read Colossians a bunch, but then in college I memorized it. And just that level of familiarity with the text, which I mean, I really only did it because uh a woman recited the book of James in our college group and just sort of challenged me directly. And I was like, okay, if she can do it, I probably could, I hope I could do this. So I, I was running and memorizing it every day and I, and it was very fruitful. And I just, I think that, yeah, having to go over it at that level and and get each word ingrained in my mind, there was just verses that kind of jumped at me that I think I had read over so many times. And so one of those was uh, chapter one, verse 29, which says, uh, Paul says for this present purpose, I labor striving according to his power, which mightily works in me. Some translations say his energy. Um, and so I think that just, yeah, it, it was a, it's a verse that's right at the end there, kind of the coda of the first chapter. And I, I guess I'd never noticed it, but I think it really captures the essence of the Christian life, which is basically, you know, serving God with all of your heart, but understanding that his energy and his power are the only, you know, the only way you can accomplish anything of eternal significance is, by him working in you. And so I, yeah, it's just an example of, mm. uh, I, I literally probably had read Colossians. I don't know how many times before and just, you know, diving in with the memorization helped me to see some new things in there. So. Yeah. And I think memorization as a, as a discipline is something that's probably incredibly intimidating to a lot of people. And, and you know, and even to me, it's, it's mm. kind of a daunting thing to think about, taking a whole book of the Bible even and, and memorizing, that, memorizing it word for word, what would you say, having gone through it yourself, is the value of that? What, what, how is it different from just reading through it? And uh, you know, how hard was it? Is, it? is it doable? It's doable if you do it in chunks. I think the way that I did it was um, just had an app on my phone called Scripture Typer, and I would just add uh, about a verse a day, maybe five verses a week or so. Um, and I actually have kind of fallen out of the habit in law school. And I think that it's, I, (laughs) I think I've suffered for it because kind of to your question of what's better than just reading, I think just it, it, it really, you, you really are, I mean, you're going over and over the scripture at that point to, to get it in your head and you're reviewing. I mean, what, what's fun for me about memorizing larger chunks is really seeing I think it just helps you to see the argument, to see how it all fits together. And you're just go, I mean, every time that I memorize a new verse, I would always walk through, you know, the whole chapter that I was working on um, each time I add it. So you're just getting a lot of repetition. And um, yeah, I think that it's, it's just a different type of um, uh, it's pressing it in. And, And for me, with Colossians, I just, you know, there's a lot, chapter four is a good example where, I mean, I memorized chapter four and there was, um, you know, it's a lot of the greeting salutations and different, um, you know, different sort of advice for the different Paul's friends, basically. And I just, I mean, it's very easy to skip over, but when you memorize it, there's just a lot of nuggets and truth in there that really, you know, you can get at. And I think also it's locked in forever in your mind. I mean, obviously you have to review, but 
Um, I, no one, no government, no power, nobody can take that from you. And there's a, there's a special, um, there's a special thing there, I think. So I, I would say it's worth doing starting small, but I, I would encourage more than just a verse here and a verse there. I think there's a power to doing bigger chunks mm-hmm. too. For sure. I could jump in there on that to attest to it as well. Cause I, Jake, I watched Jake, uh, memorize Colossians. Yeah. Whatever. They, was that your sophomore year? Freshman or sophomore year? And at that time, I was memorizing just verses, key verses that I wanted to have, you know, in my arsenal, but I'd never done chunks before. And I think the next year, an 85-year-old man who, um, he highlights the verses in his Bible that he has memorized. And if you look at his Bible, I, it almost seems like 90% of it's highlighted. But he was going to start memorizing the book of First Peter, and he challenged me to join him. And I'm like, I was inspired by Jake, but... You know, I'm in my 50s. I'm like, my brain cells are dying. I don't know if I can do this. But if he can do it, he's 85. I So anyway, and it was terrifying because he would come and visit and what have you got done? So then you'd have to recite. And But I made it and I, I memorized the, the whole book of First Peter. And um, like Jake said, I mean, you're just you're swimming in it. You're re-wallpapering your brain. So I, I've gotten in the habit of it since then. And every every morning when I run or walk, whichever one, or waddle, as the boys kind of tease me about, <laughs> I, I do my verses and do them. And I've got like first and second Peter. I'm working on on John, first John, um, what Sermon on the Mount, a bunch of other stuff. It's just you can do it. And that Bible memory, what used to be called Scripture Typer, it's called Bible Memory App now, is what I use, and it's so amazing. And I just want to say that if I can do it and my memory's terrible, anybody can do it. And I mean, Ron Brown talks often about the sponge analogy, what's in the sponge when you get squeezed comes out. Hmm. And so if you're just soaking, soaked up in scripture, hopefully, you know, as we get squeezed going on in this world that seems to be decaying spiritually around us, will that scripture will drip out. Hmm. Yeah. And help us be lights. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I kind of want to close this out by just asking each of you guys, what what general advice would you have for someone who listens to this podcast and thinks, yeah, you know, I want to learn more about the Bible, but man, there is no way that I have the time for that. I don't have the skills to interpret it. Um, you know, my my brain is too rusty to be re-wallpapered. Like, I, I think this is for for the elites. What, what advice would you have for someone like that? Andrew, I would say that uh, for somebody listening to this, no matter who you are, ask yourself, if you know what Jesus did for you and the gift that he gave us in his word, how can you afford not to uh, check it out? How can you afford not to at least give it five minutes, five minutes a day, just jump in. And whether you do the one-year Bible reading plan or whether you start with the gospel, like gospel of John, uh, but just give, give, start with five minutes, ask the Lord to speak to you through his word and, 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 and you can, you can do it. And, and again, how can you afford not to do it? Yeah, I guess I would say find a couple Christian friends that you could link arms with that have that same passion for the word. I mean, Andrew, I know that, you know, you're someone that comes to mind for me that's encouraged me and, uh, just pushed me to grow deeper in my faith and in the word. And I think that, um, 
it's just, yeah, it's, it's, that's, we're not meant to sort of be solitary lone wolf Christians going at it alone. And so I think there are going to be people, I mean, God has his people, you know, and he has the people that love his word all over the world. And, um, certainly in America, there's going to be, you know, a lot of people that go to church just because it's a cultural thing to do, but there's also going to be people right. that, you know, my sheep will hear my voice. And, and I think that connecting with a few of those people and, and sort of linking arms with them is something I, that's been helpful for me. So. Right. There's this temptation of thinking about the Bible and thinking how, you know, we can understand it and it's so easy to just dive in that we don't need other people. Hmm. Yet that's totally not true because the Bible itself tells us that we need other people, that he's given us a body to be a part of, and we're just one of the members. So yeah, for sure. Diving in with other people, definitely a key part about that. I heard it said once the Bible is like a pool in which a child may wade, but an elephant can swim. And so, you know, just wade in Hmm. and, um, you know, where the other people come in is we can understand the clear passages in the Bible. Um, and there's parts of it that are harder to understand. And that's where, like when Jake said, you go back to the church fathers and other people, theologians that have studied this stuff and other Christians, the body, but just wade in and start reading, start reading with Genesis one to 11. So you understand the beginning of origin of all things, including sin and why you need Jesus in the new Testament. Go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I also heard 72 hours it takes to read through the Bible as a sixth grader reading out loud. That's not that much. And so I was thinking about it. I mean, all this time now with our isolation and are we binging on Netflix and watching movies or, or could we be really taking this time, this special time right now to be reading, reading God's word? Hmm. Wow. Man, I feel a little selfish having you guys on here because I have just been loving this conversation and, and feeling refreshed and encouraged myself. Um, just a, such a um, encouragement and light to hear about how the Bible can transform a life and transform a family, to reading each of its parts, to studying it with other people, and um, just the difference that can make and the difference it's made in my life, knowing you guys growing up. So um, thank you guys for joining us on The Rebind. Thank you for uh, sharing a little bit of your story, um, spreading a little advice, and um, I look forward to talking with you guys more. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. It's fun to talk to you. Well, as you heard from Mike, Lisa, and Jake, studying the Bible is not rocket science. It's as simple and straightforward as five minutes a day, getting a memorizing app on your phone, picking up a one-year Bible plan or getting a group of solid Christian friends in the church to talk about this stuff with, doing this as a family even, on and on. Mike started out his life as a Christian walking through the entire Bible, and the holiness of God in the Old Testament has forever shaped his perspective on life. Just by trying to serve in the church and get groups of Christians together, Lisa was pushed to investigate the tough questions of the Bible. And for her, it was just a matter of going after it, utilizing all the resources that are available today to continue to learn and grow. Jake has an incredibly busy schedule in law school, but for as long as I've known him, he's always had one ear to the ground of, how can I continue to be a witness to the gospel where I'm at? 
And that's created a passion in him of constantly asking questions and digging into the Bible to have better things to say to the law students and neighbors that he talks with. We can't be ready for all of life on just 1% of Scripture. And we're never going to be where we want in terms of knowing more of it. But it doesn't take learning Hebrew or going to seminary to start down that road. It just takes the humble and disciplined spirit of the Bliss family to go after it with joy. But just so we don't think that this is a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of a journey, I want to close this out with the words of the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not, desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Lord, may we take refuge in you while we lean on the firm foundation of your word. The Rebind is made possible by the help of Andrew Horning, who handles the audio mastering and music for the podcast, by the art contributed by graphic designer Adam Anderson, and by the continued interest of listeners like you. If you find these episodes helpful, be sure to spread the word and join us again next week. See you then.